Well, we've been talking about unsung heroes for seven weeks now. Can you believe that? And I keep finding these obscure names. And then I realize that because I do believe, according to the scriptures, that the Holy Ghost wrote this book. All scripture, everybody say all with me, is given by inspiration of God. That means God moved on holy men of old who wrote as he led them. So the Holy Ghost decided to put these names that we don't always recognize for a reason. Uh, they are not the main characters. They're not the front burner people. They are the back burner people. You've got to really dig to find their, their names and what they did. But when you see what they did, it's amazing. And one of the ones I'm going to talk about today, his name is Shamgar. Whoever heard a message on Shamgar? But you're about to hear one. And Shamgar did something amazing. Let's look at this, and it's quick and easy to see why the Holy Spirit put his name here. After Ehud came Shamgar, the son of Anath. Look at what he did. Who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. And he also single-handedly delivered Israel. One man took on an army of 600 giants and brought them down single-handedly, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. Now, he had some keys to his success. There are actually three keys I'm going to talk to you about today. But some of you are facing a giant. It's a giant in your marriage, a giant of temptation, a giant with your children, a giant with your finances. And this giant is harassing you, plundering you, robbing you, intimidating you, threatening you. And I believe that God's got a word for you today. It's time to rout the enemy and get the victory. It's time. So let's pray. And then let me talk to you about this mighty man named Shamgar. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord today. I thank you, Lord, that you've got a word in season for us. And I pray that you will speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that many people today will receive this word as a seed in their spirit. And it will cause them to rise up and get a victory that has long overdue. I pray for it in Jesus' name. Can you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this is for you today. Perk up and listen. You're going to need this. It's good to see all of you on the first weekend of summer. A lot of our folks hit the road. As a matter of fact, you know that it's the first week of summer when on Thursday, in the middle of the day, you can't get down the highway because everybody's leaving town. But we are here. And we're going to hear a word today. Now, we have been looking at unsung heroes of the Bible for seven weeks, as I said, they're the least known in the shadows people. Don't know much about them, but in an hour of need, invariably, when they were pushed into a corner, these unsung heroes we've been looking at, something rose up within them. God rose up within them. And they took the Word of God, the promises of God, utilized their faith, and they saw miracles, true miracles, take place and did great exploits for God. I believe we're in an hour right now where the church 
is going to have to rise up and do exploits for God. No more bench warming, no more sitting on the sidelines, no more being embarrassed of Jesus or a Bible or Christianity or the gospel. It's time, since everything else is coming out of the closet, the church needs to come out of the closet. Amen? So come out of the closet, church. Now, so far we've talked about, let me just summarize them in seven weeks. Here's what we've talked about. David's mighty men, three of them, and then Benaiah. Remember Benaiah, the lion killer? And then we talked about Ebed-Melech, the friend from nowhere who delivered Jeremiah from the dungeon. And then we talked about Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son crippled in his feet, yet he was made great by grace. We talked about Hannah on Mother's Day, the mother of a champion, Samuel. We talked about Jephthah, the original comeback kid. And last week we talked about Caleb, the old man who never lost his dream. And I like that one. But now this time I want to look at this man named Shamgar. We know very little about Shamgar. Most of you have never heard anything on Shamgar. He's found in two places in the Bible, two verses, both of them in the book of Judges. Now when you read the book of Judges, you need to know that the book of Judges is the time, the era in Israel's history when they should have been enjoying the promised land. They should have been enjoying the milk and honey and the big grapes and all that God had promised them. But what you find in the book of Judges is a chronically backsliding people. Over and over again, God has to come and deliver them from an enemy because they backslid so badly that God allowed an enemy to come and chasten them and plunder them and rob them and harass them to wake them up where they could call out on God. Israel in the book of Judges believed in a flat tire God. That is, they only called on him when they had a flat. And there's people that live that way. They're only there in church when they're in trouble. They're only in the altar when things have gotten bad. And when they're in trouble, they say, Oh God, if you'll just deliver me from this, if you'll only get me out of this mess, I'll serve you the rest of my days. And that's what Israel did in Judges over and over again. And yet, as soon as God delivers them and blesses them, they go backslide again. And you see them in the altar a few months later doing the same thing over again. That's not the way God wants us to live. And it's not the way he wanted Israel to live. We need to be steady Eddie in our faith. We need to be totally predictable in our faith. Somebody came up to me a while back and said, Jeff Wickwire, still doing the same thing. And I don't know how they meant it, but I know how I took it. Yes, that's true. I'm still preaching. I'm still seeking God. I'm still pastoring. I'm still doing the same thing. So I don't know how they meant it, but I know how I'll take it. Still doing the same thing. I'm hooked. If God gives me 90 years, I'll still be doing the same thing. I will. Now, and I hope you are too, seeking God, praying, coming to church, praising his name, witnessing for him. Let's be doing the same thing and be steady, Eddie, and predictable in our faith. But now these people weren't. And so in the days of Shamgar, God had to let another enemy come after them. And the enemy this time was the Philistines, the giants, whose champion Goliath 
was slain by David. But here they are, they're still harassing God's people. It had gotten so bad that Judges chapter 5 describes the cultural chaos caused by the Philistines raiding the country of Israel, the, the promised land, where they should have been blessed. Yet it was the place where they were being continually vexed and harassed and defeated by an enemy. And this wasn't right. There was something bad wrong with this picture. Promised land, but it wasn't a promised land for them. Judges 5, verse 6 tells us that in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, the roads were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. Imagine if it was so bad out there right now, you couldn't go down I-35 anymore. I'm not talking about rush hour traffic. I'm talking about it was deserted. That 35 was a deserted highway because an enemy was harassing the American citizen so bad. Somebody had come and taken over our country to the point where we couldn't even go down our own highways. They're vacated. And the Bible goes on and says that village life in Israel had ceased. The villages were empty. The villages were ghost towns. Because when the people tried to, to have a town or a village occupy it and meet together and do what you do in villages, they couldn't do it because the Philistines would come and attack them and plunder them and rob them and intimidate them. So their villages were ghost towns. Their roads were deserted. They were having to take back paths to wherever they wanted to go, always looking over their shoulder, always afraid, always on guard, always sleeping with one eye open. Not God's plan. Verse 8 tells us there wasn't a shield or a spear among the 40,000 in Israel because the Philistines had done something sinister. They had gone to the smiths who hammered out the swords and the spears and the weaponry, and they had shut down the shops of the smiths so that the people could have no weapons with which to defend themselves. You could say they took away their Second Amendment rights. They had no weapons to fight the Philistines with. Villages emptied, roads emptied. This desperate scenario finally got to one man. You know, it just takes a few. It finally got to one man. Enter Shamgar. The Bible simply and briefly describes his courage, and I want to read it again. It's an amazing statistic. He struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad single-handedly. Now, they were farmers in those days. They were, they were very agrarian, and they used oxen hooked up to a plow. We've all seen it. And there'd be a, the, the, the farmer behind the plow and the oxen pulling the plow. And they would, they would furrow out the fields and sow their seed. And an ox goad was what the farmer used to goad the oxen because sometimes they would just get tired and sit down. And so the farmer couldn't just stand there while they took their siesta. So he had to goad them with the ox goad. And the ox goad was about five to ten feet long and two inches in diameter. On one end of the ox goad was a sharp point made of metal with which they would goad those oxen. And the other side of the ox goad had a chisel-like blade that they would use to rub uh, caked-on mud off the wheels of that plow. 
So they had an ox go. Now, now that's all that Shamgar had. No weapons, couldn't get any. Think about this with me for a minute. When things reached a desperate point, he defended his family, his countrymen, and his property against these invading Philistine giants with a farm tool and faith. Folks, God doesn't need much. He, he whipped 600 giants trained in war, loaded down with weapons, with an ox goad by himself. Oh, I believe there were some skinny angels all around him. I don't believe he was alone if you could have seen him in the spirit world. But as far as anybody helping him, they were all saying, hey, you go, guy. But nobody went out and helped Shamgar when he went against these 600 Philistines. Now listen, God called Shamgar forward back then, and I really do believe that God is calling you forward into something now. Let's, let's look at the bigger picture, church. We're in a nation that is going into depravity. We're in a nation that is backsliding away from God. We're in a nation that needs people who are strong in their faith, who will stand up and say, you know what, I've had enough. I believe that's what Shamgar did. Shamgar was pushed to the limit. And God is looking for churches all over America who are salty, who are filled with light, who are not embarrassed of the Lord, who are not ashamed of the gospel. I believe our hour is now, our time is now, and we've got an ox goat as well. Here it is. Right here. Now, as I read the story, I believe it's, it's, it, it, it probably came down this way. Shamgar was just following the plow on a normal, everyday work day. He had gotten up, had his coffee. I'm convinced they had it back then. If you don't know me, you know I'm, I'm a coffee drinker. I believe on the eighth day, God created coffee. He got up and had his breakfast and went to the plow, got the oxen all hooked up and said, it's going to be a day of plowing. Here we go. Everyday work day. He's a blue-collar worker. He's a normal guy, just a typical ordinary man, pushing the plow, doing what he had to do to make a living, and all of a sudden in the horizon, he sees a cloud of Philistine giants walking his way. Here they come again. Here come 600 Philistines loaded down, weaponry, spears, arrows, swords, armor. And they have come to make another invasion into his country. Already he knows of the empty villages, the empty roads, the frightened children, the intimidation. And I really do believe that at that moment, I don't think he planned on it. I don't think he woke up that day thinking that this was about to happen. I think that this day took a turn he never expected. But when he saw these 600 Philistine giants coming to once again plunder Israel on their own promised land, he had an inspiration in his inner man. Something in him rose up. And I really do believe he said to himself what you may have said to yourself in the past in your own battles. I believe he said, that's it. That's it. They've crossed the line for the last time. That's it. I can't take another day of this. I believe he could have used Popeye's words. I've had all I can stand. I can't stand no more. 
Now, I'm telling you, I do believe that for the child of God, there comes a moment, and church, hear me on this one, when the enemy is attacking, he's attacking your marriage, attacking your home, attacking your money, attacking your mind, he's tempting you, there comes a point in the life of the child of God where the Spirit of God within you rises up and says, that's it. I've had enough. You're not going to take another step. You're not going to harass me another day. You're not going to take another thing from me. I'm tired of being plundered. I'm tired of being robbed. I'm tired of being stepped on. I'm tired of being defeated. I have not been born again to live in defeat like this. I've got a promised land. I've got a promised land of love, of peace, of joy, and of victory over sin. I'm tired of being beat up on my own promised land. That's it. Devil, I'm rising up. Devil, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm telling you, there's a, there comes a time where you stand in your own living room and you start talking to things you cannot see. And you say, devil, that's it. Get off of my home. Get off of my money. Get off of my marriage. Get off of my body. Get out of my life. My God has anointed me to defeat you. I'm not going to put up with this any longer. That's it. And that's what this Shamgar did. Now, he's an Old Testament man. He doesn't have the New Testament. He doesn't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, but he had faith in God. He was a child of God as much as you could be in that day. He was a son of Israel. And some of you are at that point today, and I know this in your own life. You're tired of being raided and robbed and plundered and harassed and defeated. You ought to be tired of it. That's not what God called you to be and do. He called you to be on top. You're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Isn't that what the Bible says? Doesn't the Bible say that he always leads us in triumph in Jesus Christ? Isn't that what the Bible says? There comes a time when you really do rise up and say... I'm sick and tired of mediocrity. I'm sick and tired of plain vanilla. I'm sick and tired of barely getting by. It's time for me to lay hold of the promises of God and defeat my enemy and enjoy my promised land. If that's you, then the story of Shamgar, and it's not just a story, it's an account, a historical account of one man who defeated 600 enemies when he said, that's it. Through my God, I will do all things and great things. At this point, having neither sword nor spear, think about it. He grabbed the first thing he could, the ox goad in his hand, and he slaughtered 600. He just began to let it fly. He, I believe he, he walked right towards them like David ran towards Goliath. And they saw him coming, not with no armor, no sword, no spear, no bow and arrow, coming at them. What is that 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 man's carrying? Well, that's a farm tool. And they probably laughed at him. But something else grabbed hold of that ox goad when he went at them in the name of God. God used an ordinary man with ordinary skills and an ordinary weapon to make an extraordinary impact for God's glory. I love the way that God delights in using ordinary people. I, I've asked all, all of our services so far this weekend, let me ask you, are you an ordinary person here today? Are you ordinary? 
I don't mean, I don't mean dull, but I mean, are you, are you just a, a good old salt of the earth person? Uh, um, you've got some gifts, you do some good things, but you're not Superman and you're not Superwoman. You're ordinary, but can I tell you, if you're ordinary, you're a candidate for God to put his touch on your life and do something extraordinary for his glory. Give me, God, an ordinary church with an extraordinary anointing on it because we will do extraordinary things. I'm telling you, there is an army rising up in America that's going to do extraordinary things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, let me remind you of where you came from. Brothers and sisters, he says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, think of what you were when God chose you. Think about it. Where were you when God chose you? Can you say with me, he chose me. Where were you when God chose you? And what were you when God chose you? Paul says, not many of you were considered wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you belonged to important pedigreed families. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the things of this world that are common and looked down on. He chose what is not considered to be important to do away with what is considered to be important so that no one can brag in the presence of God. God uses ordinary people so that when he does an extraordinary thing, the ordinary person can't say, I did that. The ordinary person has got to say, an extraordinary God put his hand on an ordinary person and did an extraordinary thing. And that's where we're headed. Amen? So that nobody can brag and say, I did that, I did that. Oh no, God did it. Now Shamgar's story reveals three simple secrets to success that we can all put into practice starting today, and, I, and I'm really praying that we do. Begin today. I believe that today many of you are going to experience a shift, a change. If I could borrow the name of our church name, our, our church, turning point. You're going to have a turning point, a defining moment, because some of you are ready to say, that's it. Some of you are ready to say, it's time to defeat my giants. Shamgar's three secrets to success were very simple, so simple, you're going to think, how can there be anything to that? Oh, but there is. I want you to say them with me. Start where you are. Second, use what you have. Third, do what you can. We've all heard in an SUV. Some of you have an SUV. Just remember S-U-D. Start where you are, S. Use what you have, U. Do what you can, D. What did Shamgar do? He, he started where he was, he used what he had, and he did what he could. Now let me just take those three things and, and start with the first one. Start where you are. This has to do with timing. Timing. Start where you are. Too often, we spend way too much time and energy thinking about our past, or being enamored with our future. So much time thinking about the past or looking down towards the future that we miss the moment that God has for us. I'm going to tell you the most important time in your life and mine right now is now. That's the most important time. And the most important day is today. Not yesterday and not someday, 
but today. Everybody say with me today. Because today is the most important day in your life and mine. Because right now we've got a moment where we can make a quality decision to turn the rest of our life. We don't have yesterday because yesterday is gone. The past is the past because it's past. And we don't have someday. We don't even know what someday brings. But we have today. Winners live with a well-known but not often used mantra. It's a Latin phrase, carpa diem, and it means seize the day. Seize the day. Seize the moment. Maximize your moment. Maximize this hour, this day, for this is the only day we're certain of. Yesterday is gone. Someday isn't here yet. Shamgar said this to himself. I may never have another day like this one. I'm going to maximize this moment. This is the day that these giants come down. This is the day that Israel goes free. This is the day that I do something about this. I'm going to maximize my moment. God has given me this moment, this hour, this time, this day to do something about it. Paul said in Ephesians 5.16, I want you to learn to redeem the time. In the Greek language, that means buy up every opportunity and make the most of it. Translated, I want you to learn to seize the day. Take advantage of every minute that God has given you. I can tell you, I have been at the bedside of people dying, and they have often said to me, Pastor, make the most of your time, because when your hour comes, it comes, and then it's over. We have now. We have today. We must maximize the moment. Be people of the moment. I believe the most important word in the Bible is today. And I believe Satan's favorite word is someday. Do you know how many people are going to be in hell who said to themselves, someday. Someday I'll come to him. Someday I'll get saved. Someday when I'm done having my fun, partying hearty, when I'm done doing all the things I want to do, then I'll give my heart to Jesus and become one of those religious people. But you know what? Someday never comes. Do you know how few people ever come to Christ on their deathbed? They don't. They're all preoccupied with what they're fighting and with the fact that they're dying. And they do not come to him. The Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. The Bible says, today is the acceptable time. Today is the time to get saved. Today is the hour, the moment to respond to God. Hebrews 3.13 says, exhort one another daily while it is called today. See, I've got this moment to influence you with the Word of God. And I intend to maximize the moment. I'm going to make the most of it. And not only here, but it's going to go on radio. See, because my body is healthy, my mind is clear, I have this moment to serve the Lord and make the most of it. And so I'm going to pick up the ox goat and I'm going to let it swing. And I'm going to make the most of my moment. It says, today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. It says, today is the day of salvation. Today is an important word to God. But I believe Satan's favorite phrase is someday. Someday you'll take care of it. Someday you'll get your finances together. Someday you'll deal with that habit. Someday you will deal with the gospel. Someday you'll deal with Christ. 
That's not wisdom. Squeeze every drop of potential out of your present moment. That's the way Shamgar thought. One man wrote, don't be paralyzed by the past or hypnotized by the future. Stay riveted on the present moment. It's the key to success. Shamgar could have said, well, you know, something really should be done about these Philistines, but I better wait till I've got better weaponry. At least a sword or a bow and arrow or a good spear. I'll wait for a better day. But no, he said, all I've got is an ox goad, but I've got this moment, and I intend to maximize the moment. I'm going to start where I am. I'm going to seize this moment. I may not have another chance like this again, so here goes. God be with me. Jesus one day said to his disciples, who were agrarian in their thinking, he said, you say to me, yet four months, and then we're going to get a harvest. Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. You're saying, well, we'll have that harvest four months down the road. Jesus told them, God's already put something right in front of you. If you'll pull your, your thinking out of the future and get it into the now. Can I tell you, church, that God's got something for you right now. He's got something right under your nose right now. He's got blessings, and he's got open doors, and he's got opportunities for you right now. Ask yourself this question today. What can I do right now, this moment, on this day, to make a difference, to turn things around, to move my dream forward, to maximize my opportunities? What can I do right now? Shamgar would say, start where you are. Can you say that with me again? Start where you are. Maximize your moment right now. Now his second key to success was a great one. Use what you have. I can't tell you how, how often people sell themselves short by saying this. If only I had this gift or that amount of money or that golden opportunity or those kind of looks or greater connections, if only I had this or that or the other thing, then I would do something. But can I tell you that what you need to maximize your moment right now, you already have it? Because my God is not a God of confusion. If he wants you to make a move now, take a quality step now, He's going to give you what you need to take that step. So first, Shamgar was dealing with timing. Now he's dealing with a tool. What tool are you going to use? He grabbed a tool and he used it. Use what you already have. You've already got what you need for your future success. Y'all are real quiet, and I know that's a sign that you're thinking. Say, well, Pastor, I just wish I had more giftings. Do you know that the parable of the talents, one man had ten, one had five, and one had one. And you know what the one that had one did? He looked at the ones that had five and the ones that had ten, and he compared himself to them. And because he only had one, he played a violin and had a pity party and buried his talent. And one day the one that gave him the one returned and said, what'd you do with what I gave you? Did you use it? 
And he said, Lord, you didn't give me five. You didn't give me ten. I knew that you were a hard man reaping where you have not sowed. So I buried that talent. Here, here it is. And he said, you should have been ready to give me two. You should have used what I had given you. If you had used the one talent, you would have two to give back to me. You would have reaped a harvest, but now you've got nothing to show for what I gave you because you did not use what you had. Use what you have. One day Jesus was looking at a great crowd of 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. So if those men were married and had kids, it was at least 10,000 plus people looking at Jesus. And it says he decided to test his disciples. And he said to them, we can't send them away hungry. We've got to feed them. So what are we going to use to feed them? And he was testing them. The Bible says that Andrew looked around, sized up the situation, and came to Jesus and said, here's the Wickwire version. You've got to be kidding me. There's 10,000 people out here. And you're telling me that you want me to come up with the food to feed them? Lord, you've got to be kidding me. I found this one little boy, and he's got five loaves of bread and two fish, and that's it. That's all I've got. Now, I want you to notice what he did. He immediately began to look at what he did not have instead of looking at what he did have. Because, folks, let me tell you something. Rarely are you and I going to have everything we need. We need to learn to give to God what we have and know that when you give to the Lord what you have, he turns a little into a lot. Because Jesus basically said when he said we don't have enough, Jesus said let's use what you have. So it says in the Bible, Jesus said, tell the people to sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. Notice what Jesus did. When something was given to him, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Don't you know that that's what he does with you and me? I, when I was saved, I was in juvenile home. I was in a jail cell. And when I came to Christ... It was in jail. And when I went back to my jail cell, at night, I asked the guard to leave the light on so I could read the little Bible they'd given to me. And I prayed a prayer that night. And I said, Lord, if you can make anything of the mess that I've made in my life, I give it to you. You know what he did? He took it. And then he blessed it. And, and that's right. And then he broke it, that meaning he, he, he broke my will. That is, he, he brought my will into subservience to his will. And when he took me and blessed me and broke me, then he began to use me to distribute bread. And right now, you may not know it, but I'm distributing wonder bread to you right now. Wonder bread to you right now. I'm pulling straight out of the manna from heaven. Here's some wonder bread. Here you go. Eat it and you will live. Anything you give to the Lord Jesus, say with me, he takes it. He blesses it. He breaks it. And then he uses it. How many of you want to be used of God in these last days? Give him you. Give him you. Shamgar said, I don't have much. All I've got is an ox goad. 
But I'm giving that ox goad to you, Lord, and I give myself to you. Here I go against the enemy. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have an army. He didn't have a spear. He didn't have a bow. He had an ox goad, a simple farm tool. But in the hands of the living God, that ox goad became the equivalent of a great army in the hands of a man of faith. It may be that all that you have is you. Give him you. If you're broken, give him you. Shatter, give him you. If you feel like you've ruined your life, give it to him. He will take it. He will bless it. He will break it. And he will give it. Use it to reach others. Shamgar tells us today, start where you are, use what you have, and then finally, do what you can. Do what you can. There's always something that you can do. And when you do what you can, it is often that step of faith that activates the hand of God to intervene in your life. Jesus almost never healed anybody who he didn't require something from first. The man with the withered hand, he said, stretch it out. He stretched it out and the Lord healed it. Over and over again, he did miracles. Even when it was Lazarus being raised from the dead, he required his sisters and those that loved him to move the stone away so that he could get in. They had to do something to activate their faith. Do what you can. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can if you want to overcome that enemy and see change come into your life. Don't get stuck by all the things you can't do. Do what you can. And God will do what you can't. It's that simple. Shamgar offered to God what he knew how to use. He said, I don't have much. I've got an ox goat. I sure know how to use that. So I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do what I can. The woman with the issue of blood could not heal herself. She lost all of her money on doctors. She was discouraged, in despair, depressed, probably suicidal. But then she heard about Jesus. And she said, there's one thing I can do. I can break through that crowd. I can get to him on hands and knees, and I can touch the hem of his garment. And she broke through and on hands and knees, grabbed hold of his garment. She did what she could, and then he did what she couldn't. And it says virtue immediately flowed into her body, and she was healed. There's always something, a step of faith that you can take. Simon Peter wanted to walk on the water. Well, he couldn't just be lifted up and levitated out of the boat and put in it. He had to stand up, put one foot over, and start walking. People talk about how Simon Peter sank in the water, but I want you to know that man walked on water for a while. He walked on water for a while. He defied natural law by walking by faith. He did what he could do, and then God did what he could not do. We're all given a gift to use. The Bible says God has given to each of you a gift Use it to help each other, 1 Peter 4.10. Paul said, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So listen carefully. We were all given a gift when we got saved. In order to do good works, God prepared in advance for us to walk in. Believe it or not, before time began, God saw me preaching to you. Do you believe that, Pastor Jeff? Oh, of course I do. Because my God knows the end of a thing before the beginning begins. We're all given a gift. So if you can't do anything else, 
Do what you can. Step out in that gift. Do something. Use your gift. Sow a seed. Pray a prayer. Make that phone call. Start that Bible study. Join that ministry. Write that letter. When you need God to do something, there's always a step you can take. There were four lepers sitting at the gate of Samaria, dying. They were leaned up against the gate. Inside the city, everybody was starving to death because they had been surrounded by an enemy. And so all of God's people on the inside were dying of starvation. In front of them was the army that was starving Israel out. So behind them, they had famine. In front of them, they had a lethal enemy. They're sitting there leprous, all four of them, lepers. And here's what they said. Great question. Why are we sitting here until we die? Translated, do something. They said, if we go into the city, we're going to die of hunger. But if we move forward, they might kill us. But for sure, if we sit here and don't do something, we're going to die. So they stood up and they did what they could do. And they started walking towards the enemy. And you know what God did? God said, that's all I needed to see. You did what you could do. So God made the enemy hear horses that weren't there and hear shouts that weren't there and made them hear an army that didn't even exist. In other words, he made them hallucinate. And they fled. And these four lepers come walking into this, this, the, 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 all the tents of this enemy. And it's a ghost town. There's nobody there. But there's food. And there's riches. And there's weapons. And there are horses. And they ran back to Samaria and banged on that gate and said, You have been set free. Come out. There's no more enemy. How'd that happen? Four men did what they could. So stand with me today, can you? And I want you to say again with me, start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. I'll tell you what. Who would have thought all of that was in one little verse? But the Word of God pulsates with life. Now I want you to bow with me in prayer, please. And as little movement as possible unless it's this way in just a moment. But please, because people are praying. Some of you have an enemy. And you're right there with Shamgar. In the sense that you feel that that's it. It's time for this to stop. I need a breakthrough. I need the enemy routed and defeated. I want to enjoy my promised land. So if you can say with me right now, Pastor, I am experiencing that kind of Philistine-like attack and I really identify with this story and I need to apply what I just heard. Can you raise your hand today? All over this place, many, many, many of you, many of you, this is a word from God for you today. Now what I want you to do is take the area under attack. And we're going to give it to God. And I want you to say with me, Lord, I give this to you. I'm going to start where I am. I'm going to maximize the moment. Redeem the time. 
and I'm going to use what I have. Now you have the word of God. You have the name of Jesus. God has already given you what you need, the tool. Shamgar took the time and redeemed it, the tool and used it. Then he took the step that activated the hand of God. So I'm going to ask you today, say, Lord, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to use what I have and I'm going to take that step and do what I can. And I'm asking you that today will be a turning point in my life. Now, with your heads bowed a moment, some of you here today may have really gotten away from the Lord, far away from Him. Maybe you knew Him in the past, but you've drifted like the people in Judges. You've just drifted. And you know that He's calling you home. Oh, listen, seize hold of this word. Take take this moment and use what you have. Start where you are and use what you have and Do what you can, and you can come back to him right now. And I'm going to ask you to do it. Maybe you've never come to Christ. You can do it today. You can do it right now. Why sit you there until you die? You can do it right now, and your whole life change. You can say, Pastor Jeff, I have gotten away from him, or I've never really known him. I have a question mark about that, and I want to take this message and use it and I want to do what I can and start where I am and I want to come to him if that's you today would you raise your hand say I need to come to him I see you back there God bless you and you many of you back there and here God bless you as soon as I dismiss this service there were, I saw about eight of you raise your hand I want you to do something listen carefully to me we're going to dismiss in just a moment I want you to come right down here. I'm going to stand here. And I want you to come down here and let me pray with you. You need to take care of it today. Don't don't leave until you come down and let me pray with you. I look forward to meeting you. Now, Lord, we just thank you for a change, for a turning point, for a defining moment, for helping us to lay hold of this promise. If you believe that God heard you, And let's give him a hand of praise today, can we? Thank you, Lord.